Welcome to Small Big Wins, a podcast that curates stories of folks who use their courage, caliber and conviction to transform people's lives. They always look beyond personal gains and strive for the greater good. Their stories often begin with a dream as their only means. Folks who allow the soft lights of their hearts to be their guide even when circumstances threaten to harden them. Folks who start small but win big. Hi, I'm Harshwardhan Jaju. Let's begin. Tanvi Nair is a business analyst with a master of science focused in statistics from Pune University. She is an out and proud transwoman and a vocal LGBT advocate. Her life till recently has been mired in duality, pretense outside and her authentic self inside. She is also a TEDx speaker and works for several diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives. Let's talk to Tanvi about the travels and triumphs in her journey. Tanvi, welcome to Small Big Wins. Thank you so much Harsh for having me and it's a pleasure for me to be here. Tanvi, I think you know many of us live with incongruency. Yeah. We speak about it or not. Hmm. How has your situation been more difficult with the incongruency? So as you said all of us live with incongruencies of our or our own but something as basic as gender identity it is very a gender identity to a person is very innate it's very basic right you you start realizing it as soon as you start seeing the world so i realized my incongruency as soon as i started seeing my life i mean i started going to school or as young as that so that confusion and it is internal though many people say it's internal but many things internal do have a reflection outside you see it what's inside comes outside right so that confusion that incongruence reflected in my general life as well i was always confused i was some a friend of mine used to nickname me as the confused one because i never had the right answer and i would overthink everything so much that you can't imagine i mean i give this example a lot if i had to go for a trek a friend asked me call me okay let's go for a trek in my mind i have reached that trek i'm already tired now i'm thinking should i go should i not go and that's true with every decision in your life smallest ones and it's exhausting to think so much about everything so if you're struggling within congress with such a basic thing as gender then it kind of messes with your life as well because you struggle so much and second thing we can't even express it because basically my parents had no clue about it there was no ally because i came from a small town or middle class family there was no one around me for talk, to talk to this about because from their point of view it was wrong it was just plain wrong so that is something that was as growing up took some time you know, to wait for 25 years to just accept it and acknowledge it and how did you manage to spend so much time holding on this to just your own self what was what was your inner journey at that time i guess there's only one thing we all hold on to hope so throughout those growing up years 
I just hoped someday things would be different. And that was the day I become independent. I stand on my own two feet and hoping that day, that day would come, just kept me going. And yeah, there were those moments when I was alone at home or uh, there was no one around that I raided my mom's closet and took her clothes and wore them. And I take real pride in it saying that I can wear a sari, drape a sari in 10 minutes. Not even girls can do that. The current generation, not at all. But I can do that. I just learned by observing my mom. Mm. All her small tips and tricks and all of those. So, yeah. So, those were some moments where I actually explored myself as Tanvi. But then again, in those moments, I was always afraid that okay, someone may walk in. So, we used to live in a house where there was like a very big gate. It would make noise when you open it. That was my cue. Okay, someone is coming. I need to change. I was always looking at the window. Okay, if someone finds me out there, it's going to be difficult. So that fear kind of also had a physical manifestation. So my hand shivers. The moment I know that someone is observing me, my hand shivers. And I self-googled and self-diagnosed it as resting hand tremors. <laughs> I don't actually know what the medical term for it is or what it is. I just Googled it and I was like, okay, this may be a medical condition. But I know that that fear has kind of made me so afraid of doing anything. And yeah, so my heartbeat used to raise like anything. It was it was just racing at that in those moments. But yeah, so with that hope, I kept going with that journey. I kept it inside me that someday I'll be able to do something about this without someone having to maybe ostracize me. And when was it Tanvi that, you know, this was uh, revealed to your parents? So that was a complete accident. Uh, uh, in college, there was a time where we used to shift houses a lot. So we still, till date, we don't have a house of our own, right? No place of our own. We have always lived in a rented house. So we used to move around a lot every couple of years or three years. There came a point during my college days where uh, we had moved to a new place and my mom stopped going out. And the repercussions of those were I did not get my space mm. because I used to be the only when no one was around. Since my mom stopped going out, there was no space for me to do anything. Mm. And then that moment I made a hasty decision maybe. I just packed my mom's clothes in a bag. I went to my college because it was summer vacations. I thought, let's find a classroom where no one would be around and let's just dress up. And then I found a classroom. I, it was like I stayed that place for quite a bit. I did all the reconnaissance for which classroom, who comes the least, which floor, all of that. But to my misfortune, someone did see me through the library and they called in the office administration, the office administration. I mean, they did not even let me change. They just made me walk in that sari. It's, it's like they paraded me through the college until the office from that library to that office. I was crying the whole time. I was trying to explain it to them. This is how I feel. This is not something I have control over, right? But it, being a small town, they did not really understand. They were educators, but they still did not understand. So they handed me over to the police. Then my parents were called to... Uh, I mean, there was no... It wasn't an offense, so the police did not do anything. It wasn't even a return warning. They just took me in because the college did not know what to do. And then my mom was furious when she came. She bombarded the principal. She was like, why would you give my child to the police? 
what kind of mistake has my child done they are like we don't know the intention of your child what if your child was a murderer i mean just wearing a sari how does it make you a murderer so like we did not don't really know what they that was why uh, your kid was dressing up like a woman and all of that and yeah so then they had to come take me from the police station that is the day they got to know and it was difficult for them they couldn't accept it but then as soon as my education got over i moved out of the house i stayed alone for a few years i mean with roommates and then alone for 5 to 6 years and after a point maybe i got financially settled i realized i need to do something about it they also realized if we don't support the kid the kid is going to go away so that is where they regressively accepted it they were like, okay whatever it's your life if you want to live it that way live it that way it was a journey even for them was there some initial insensitivity at home yeah yeah quite a bit so my father always felt it was a phase and uh, because my mom told me after this incident they were talking about it and my dad said that it's a phase and someday he'll find a girl he'll marry etc and he'll be okay he'll become normal it's just like a phase that uh, maybe kids go through and then my mom couldn't stand the sight of me dressed as a woman because for her i was always the male child so i tried she initially she was like whatever you want to do do inside the house don't go out don't bring shame to us and the society mm. and when i did that what she said she couldn't take it she was a couple of days she was okay and then she was like i can't take the sight of you dressing in my clothes just don't do it so then i decided it's okay so i just focused on my studies i just kept it to myself and once my education was done i was out as soon as my masters was done i took the first job i got and i moved to pune and i started living on my own so for a few years again i had roommates so i couldn't do much about it uh, until much later when i was able to afford my own place and my own room and after that i started seeking psychiatric help and psychological uh, evaluations were done and all of those so yeah and then my mother finally moved in with me a few years ago and then i slowly started telling her what it is she started understanding it through media and through uh, my exposure and then, yeah it was a journey for her as well, to become accepting of the fact credit my dad and i haven't spoken about this though we live in the same house my mom and dad live with me but i haven't spoken to my dad about it it's just too i don't know maybe even he doesn't want to have that conversation and even i don't want to because it's it's just the way it is and we just go with it and we there was such deep insensitivity at the college yeah then i have read through the uh, story or maybe i heard you in one of your talks there was yeah. deeper insensitivity at the police station yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then there was insensitivity at home yeah uh, and you still had to go through i think two or three years more of college and you went to the yeah. college after yeah that. yeah yeah what was what were your deepest fears what were your apprehensions how did you face the music after all this so i didn't have an option right so i mean they were so after this incident happened the summer vacations got over uh, the principal called in my father uh, they told if someone gives your kid an admission you can stay otherwise you can leave we'll give you a tc and you're out 
So then I went to the head of the statistics department. Uh, he was a person who knew me quite well. And he, he urged me to take statistics because he was like, you're a smart kid mm. and I want kids like you in my department. Then he asked me what was the incident. I lied to him. I told him it was a dare some uh, kid gave me and that's why I did it. And he just laughed it off and he took my admission form and he signed on it and he was like, uh, just take the admission go. And then he actually, he was my first, one of the first mentors I had. So he treated me as his own kid. He nurtured me. He, he was very... If, I mean, I don't know how to say it, but he was very crucial in my journey because he was the first person who took me under his wing, who took care of me of all my mistakes, who took care of me, who guided me throughout. So, yeah. So throughout this, though I have had like bad experiences, I've had some amazing people who were my mentors, who took me under their wing, who taught me so many things, who gave me what I am today, right? Because no one... So I realized something and that's why I say that I'm privileged because everyone works hard. I mean, I've seen so many people working hard but getting nowhere. In my case, I worked hard but there were good people who acknowledged it and took me to another level. So, and that is where the luck factor comes in. You need luck to have good people. You have, you need to have luck. Uh, you need to be lucky to have people who will recognize your hard work and effort and take you to, or take you forward. So I've been lucky that way. That's why I, I say I was, I've been privileged. Uh, the college, so as soon as that thing happened, I took a part-time job. So I would go to college at 7. I would leave at say 11 or 12. Immediately I was out of the college. Kids. I go to, I used to deliver couriers. So I used to work for a courier company. As soon as that was done, I would go to the courier, do my job and home. That's it. So I used to be at college only when I was required and only when I had to be in the class or for a practical or in the classroom, that's it. Beyond that, if there was some work to be done at the office, I, fortunately in the career itself, there was a guy who used to work in the same college in the office stuff. If there was fees to be paid, I would just give it to him in the office, in courier office, and he'll pay it on my behalf. So I would never go near the office. I would never, I would go to the library only if required. So I would interact with that admin stuff as rarely as possible. So throughout that, it was just, I don't know, I was just trying to live. That's it. Let's just get through this time. And then we'll be out of this. And the situation with your, did you have friends back then in college? I did. Uh, none of them knew about it. So okay. that was a good thing because it was summer vacations. No one was around. So no one got to know about such a, and it was all, so there were a lot of rumors that there was some person who was caught mm. and the rumors you can't believe. So the reality, the truth was completely different for what happened mm. because I read the newspapers in the evening. Mm. They had my story, right? And that story had nothing to do with what had happened. There was a story I still remember that was so funny. It was like uh, this kid used to constantly dress up as a woman, befriend women, go to the ladies' room, talk about, talk to them about private things and all that. I was like, that's a dream of mine. <laughs> and you put it as a rumor. <laughs> I had already, I had always wished that I could be one of the girls. 
and you put it out there as a story that was nothing close to even the truth that is the day i stopped reading newspapers or i start stopped relying on the media when i read my own news <laughs> i realized that none of it is true it's like someone's or snake no one knows if it was a green every newspaper is someone said it's a cobra someone said it's a blue serpent it's someone said it's a green farm snake <laughs> or someone's a dragon snake every newspaper had their own version of the story and it was after about now i find it hilarious yeah. at that point it was just like what is happening <laughs> but yeah throughout that it was it was an ordeal it is kind of an ordeal for a trans person you can't avoid it someday it has to happen tanvi till recently you say that you maintained two social profiles yeah yeah one for the genuine you and yeah. for the outside you yeah and uh, there was a mistake yeah. one day where you posted a photo yeah. for the genuine you on the outside Other, yeah 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 and uh, you came to realize it later via certain yeah. end yeah yeah now that accident actually changed your life that it that it decided that you will no longer justify anything yeah and you yeah. will come out in the open yeah uh with whatever the situation is now what if that accident would not have happened maybe the things that followed wouldn't have happened so i still remember that incident it happened at a friend's place and he told me that there's a dialogue from a movie kung fu panda there are no accidents mm. right so that is how it is it was meant to happen because i would never have gathered the courage to do it otherwise mm. so some things have to happen in that way that you don't have much control over it mm. some things you require immense courage for it so even before that point i used i had come out to a few friends a few close friends and some colleagues and so on but every time i had to come out i used to take them out to some restaurant or some bar and we used to drink and then i used to come out because drinking helped me shut off my conscious mind hmm. and it shut off theirs as well i guess <laughs> so a person becomes more open when they are like in an inebriated state but now i don't i have stopped drinking for the past one and a half two years because i don't even need it anymore that was my escape from reality that was in those moments my conscious brain just turned off right now i don't need it because now life so once you get addicted to life when you realize that okay life is much more beautiful but that to happen that accident had to happen that weight had to be lifted right it was a weight i was living with it is like you are bench pressing and that that bar is left on your chest with the weights on you have to keep those weights down to actually experience freedom it's walking with weights and the moment so it's like you you are dragging yourself and something is tied to your ankle a big boulder is tied to your ankle and you are walking the moment you are let go of that boulder you actually know okay walking isn't that difficult life is not meant to be so difficult life is meant to see it's a very short life right the moment i hit 30 a couple of years ago i realized half of my life is done 
and that's done with the expected with living with people's expectation at least let me live the other half the way i want to live it the lifespan anyways has reduced to 15 and 16 we are not going to survive more than that half of it is done and the moment you realize that you start living you realize that you only have one life you actually start living bravo on stopping drinking yeah uh, when you came out what happened at work so fortunately i had already switched my job back until then and i was already an inclusive organization where i had introduced myself as the okay. okay but in the other spaces i was not out yet so to my old company to my old colleagues mm. and my friends i was not out to them many of them mm. so that only for them it was but organization wise i was in a good organization already but mm. accepted me for me mm. So talking about friends did you lose friends which you thought you would never lose and did you keep some friends which you thought you would lose not really so i wasn't comfortable with myself right when you're not comfortable with yourself you're not comfortable with people mm. so i was always an introvert i still am i don't talk to people upfront i like people approaching me and then i'm okay with talking but i always considered myself as an introvert but what i realize is i am actually not an introvert i talk a lot i talk i mean i chew the ears off of people that is how much i speak no wonder that tedx happened because i speak so much <laughs> talk so much <laughs> but then i wasn't comfortable with myself for so many years so i wasn't comfortable with people i always felt that the friendships i had they were all doing a favor for me or they were pitying me and they were with me only because they pitied me right mm-hmm. so that's why i never had that close friends there was only a few handful of them and i'm so fortunate that they are still there those handful are still there they never left me it only became stronger after that mm-hmm. because once i was allowed to be myself once i allowed myself to be authentic my relationship with them rather improved because there was always a distance because there was a distance that i had with myself and that was always there in my relations as well the moment i closed the distance between me and myself it kind of closed the distance between my friends now those people and now we meet more often than we ever used to meet. those handful of friends they're like everything they are always i am always around them they are always around because now we are comfortable now i am comfortable because i am myself so now my relation my friendships are much better than they used to be well three cheers for that yeah uh, you talked about hope luck how do you relate hope and luck to spirituality so i had written a blog about this uh, so my mom feels that i am an atheist okay because i don't like going to temples or any any uh, worship places mm. what she doesn't understand is that religion and spirituality are two different things mm. i'm spiritual but i'm not religious mm. because i feel you have to look inwards to find god or mm. any i don't even say god it's maybe some superior being mm. whatever it is mm. but spirituality is a journey inwards mm. religion is a journey outwards you seek solace in something that is outside when you are following religion when you are spiritual you seek solace inside 
you try to find peace inside so in my case spirituality was something that helped me i don't know it's like the oh hindi mein kaha hota hai na doobte ko tinke ka sahara it was that was my tinka hmm. i was hanging by it in those moments of darkness because that is where your faith is truly tested hmm. your faith in something good and hope and faith are kind of different words but they are something that keep a person going hope that some day things will be different something things will be different faith that yes there is something to look forward to so these things are always related and that spirituality was something and i have always been like that since childhood i have been in love of stories mahabharata ramayana all of those because those stories they give you life lessons Like they teach you how to live. They teach you. There are so many, uh, I don't know, nuances that people don't catch up to. There are many nuances. So I've always been interested in those, and I love, I love reading about spirituality. So until much until last year, I guess there was this Spanish fascination I had with death, right? Because you fear what you do not understand. no one knows what is there in death i did not understand so i i was afraid of death so i read a book called death written by sadguru he is the only person who has maybe written on this topic in a very he hasn't talked about afterlife but he has talked about the process of death the moment i read about it my fear vanished mm. because i realized okay this is the process of death this is how death happens and what actually is death so that is how spirituality actually helps you in so many ways it helps you overcome your fears and the moment your the fear is gone you can actually live what is one of your favorite stories full of nuances from our epics there are so many i can't tell you i mean uh so i have also always been known to so i used to cater right for a bit so all the plays that i have written so far have been a modernized version of those epics okay. so the story i wrote in school for one of the plays was modern eklavya which was the story of eklavya in a modern tone if eklavya had to exist today mm-hmm. what would actually eklavya be mm-hmm. would he be the ideal student that was described there would he actually give off his thumb or would he take his guru's thumb right so that was the concept behind it and there are so many beautiful stories but not only those ramayana and mahabharatas there are so many moral stories that we were taught that i don't think the children today are taught whether it be akbar birbal whether it be vikramaditya all those stories had or whether it be panchatantra for that matter all of these stories had some moral values right and mahabharata has many nuances in the sense many people don't know about uh, the adnyat was that uh, in mahabharata the pandavas had to go through yes do people know that arjuna the greatest warrior of, of them all had to pretend to be a dancer in a royal court yes. a woman dancer in a royal court yes 
So essentially, people look at cross-dressing in a bad way now. They call cross-dressers a psycho. Just yesterday, I got to a salon and they described it as a psycho behavior to cross-dress, to dress in a man dressing in woman's clothes. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, did you even know that during Atnyat was Arjuna used to cross-dress? Mm-hmm. So cross-dressing has been there since then. Absolutely. And you look down upon it now. Mm-hmm. A warrior of Arjuna's mind. Yes. So people who say that this is not our culture, don't even know their own culture. Mm-hmm. How many people actually know what culture is? How many people know that Hijra comes from the, comes from Islam? That Islam was where, so back then, the kings used to have harems. Then they used to basically have a Hijra person in the queen's quarters to take care of the queen. That is how deep-rooted all of these things are in our culture. And then did you know that heels were actually invented for men? So in the older times, especially Victorian kings and queens, kings used to wear heels so they look taller to their queens because it was a thing of pride and ego mm. that they had to look taller to their queens. So that is how heels were invented. Okay. Later on, women started wearing it and it was stylized and all that. But it was essentially for men. Our kings and queens wore anarchy back then. Kings wore anarchy. They Kings did singar. They wore jewelries. They had long hair. So you just, you really don't know about your culture that much. And you just say this is not our culture. You really don't know about it. Yeah, I think, I think your own journey has made you look into this. Exactly. So those are the nuances that people don't see. Yes, yes, yes. And and you relate to it in such a deeper way. And then the way yeah. you speak about it, uh, you know, uh, tells people like us about the uh, conviction which you are carrying. Yeah. yeah. I'm in awe of all the forbearance, the fortitude, the, even the courage which you have had to hold this to yourself all through the years, face the situation, face the world, home, uh, professional life, study life. I just wonder about the trans people who are often cited at toll gates. Yes, And, and you know, they have that is their only way of making a living yeah uh, and the and the kind of courage which they require to come out there in the open and and present themselves day and night yeah. to the world outside so having said that what do you do tanvi to support the community to support their cause to to give them a a, a boost of uh, hope yeah so, uh, when I started speaking, right, I started a project called Ally Nation where we used to do free gender sensitization sessions. So, during that point and then attending a lot of DNI forums, I realized there are very few trans speakers who can mm-hmm. talk about trans struggles, trans experiences. So, I use my privilege of education, of being able to articulate thoughts and present them on a forum. I use that as often as possible. So I speak in events, I speak in people. So I advocate for the community. Apart from that, uh, what you spoke about, uh, the Hijra community that has to, I mean, beg for a living or do sex work and all of those. So there are a lot of misconceptions around it. 
So whenever I speak, whether it be my trainings or I definitely cover the hijra topic hmm. because I tell people uh, it seems like they are begging and they, why aren't they working and doing all of that. What I tell them is uh, basically if I have to ask a friend for money, it is I have to keep my self-esteem aside for a moment. Right. I have to keep myself and I think twice before I ask a friend for money, can yeah. I need a loan? These people are basically, they're not, begging is not that easy. You're yeah. selling yourself respect just to have a, a ration at your home, right? Yeah. Sure. To have food on your plate. Yeah. And are they doing it for free? You know, they are giving you blessings yes. in exchange. Yes. And I was telling uh, the person who was doing my hair yesterday, the salon, I told her that Many people say that their blessings as well as their curses come true. And I was telling her there's a reason for that. They have been abused so much. They have hurt, they have been hurt so much that whatever they say comes from the heart, whether it be a blessing, whether it be a curse. And when you have been abused so much, you it the hurt is painful. Whereas the happiness is also so I still remember that day I was at a signal in Pune. So there was this trans woman who was begging and I just, uh, I opened my wallet and I had like 10, 20 bucks. I gave it to her and she saw 500 rupees note in my wallet. She was like, and I just gave it to her. And the genuine joy I saw on her face that I maybe avoided a few more uh, cars that she has to beg. 500 bucks. Tell me what is the value of 500 bucks for a person today? You spend more than that on a coffee in Starbucks. But for them, that's a ration for their day. And that joy I saw. But right now I'm working on something. So I don't want to say anything, but I'm working on something where I create employment opportunities for them. Hmm. So there are a few things that I am starting. I mean, it may not start this year, but somewhere in the next four or three years but I start creating employment for them. But then again, it's a system. So you need to understand Hijra is a closed community. It's a system. Mm. So go into, go into that system. You need to go through some hurdles. You need to do some things. So all those with consideration, I am trying to create because see, I understand I'm using my privilege to speak, mm. but I also realize that that's not enough. Mm. I have to do something on the ground. If I have to actually make, because that 500 bucks, the joy I saw on her face made me realize that if I create an employment opportunity for a person like her and I give some amount of self-dignity and respect back to her, that's all I can do in my life, right? Anyone can do in their lives. Just because we all are very nuclear now. It's me, my family, hmm. but beyond that, what? because after you die after you pass away there will be a photo of you hanging on the wall once a year the first generation will remember the second one will forget and then you will be part of only the stories but at least those four people will remember you. Are, when this person was there, at least our life was a bit easier. So, if I say, so 
what is the use of living if you just come and go there like millions and billions of us yeah i, I was reading uh, for like your pension i have a pension for bhagavad gita yeah and i i was reading a commentary by one of the vidwans hmm. and unhone likha ki man is equal to animal plus intellect yeah that's know? all it is so like you said that fai or fa chale gaye is like operating without that intellect which intellect to you exactly yeah. because if it's a blessing to be born as a human रिलेशनशिप बेस्ड ऑन लोन yes so we all are related to each other through some karmic loops and unless you get rid of that you can't even meet the universal soul right if your soul has to merge with you you have to get rid of all these loops yes. and that is how we are connected to each other bilkul so this 33 crore lives you have to take yeah are all those connections loans so even if i kill a cockroach i have to be born as a cockroach so that i know the pain that cockroach went when i by mistake killed it or whatever so there are 33 crores or more species of animals that you have to go through before you can get a human life so why not use that if you have to main yahi keh raha tha ye rinanuband hamara bhi hai ki hum dono ek dusre se exactly it has to be because otherwise see otherwise how would we speak ever right Yeah. you spoke to someone you spoke to ramvi ramvi yeah. yeah. got to know me through tedx correct so this otherwise there was no relationship that was meant to happen indeed there yeah. has to be some karmic loop that is left tanvi what if what are some of the basic most most basic things you can tell people like us to incorporate so that our sensitivity towards uh, the trans community or generally our sensitivity increases there's only one basic thing that everyone needs as a human which is empathy humans feel animals feel as well but the sensitivity that they have against what a human has is different a lion cannot step into a deer's shoes yeah and be empathetic for a deer because for it it has to hunt and eat mm. humans have that ability to empathize with another person even though you are not me but you can empathize with me just by thinking what my struggles could be just thinking which washroom to use mm. right which you take as a granted privilege you don't have to think about it. you just enter the male washroom for me i am tanvi i'm presenting myself as a male just due to my own securities in the society going to a male washroom against going to a female washroom is a question for me, right which is like taken for granted for a cisgender person so some amount of empathy goes a long way so as i said about the hijra community uh i was doing one a session in my office a speaker session and there was this question 
uh the people become aggressive at the signals if you don't give them, give them money how do i deal with it i told them why do you want to deal with it right you just need to empathize you give them some money they'll go away why are they being aggressive you need to understand that they are abused on a daily basis they are abused by the law enforcing authority they are abused by the society they have been ostracized they are struggling to survive and there is this famous dialogue i like to use always from mericom kisi ko itna bhi mat darao ki wo darna bhul jaye they have been abused so much ki ab unko dar nahi lagta hmm. agar tum unko thoda pyar dikhaoge na to shayad unko ajeeb lage but now they are not afraid anymore so sometimes when life is so unfair to you you tend to become aggressive so do you deal aggression with aggression no you deal aggression with empathy you just if you don't want to give them money just say sorry and just that's it mm. they are not going to break your windows trust me even because they know that what is going in store for them if that happens they they are already abused by the law enforcing authorities so they won't take law in their hands so you need to have a little bit of empathy and not only for trans people but for people in general yes you need to have for everyone because i really don't know at this point i'm talking to what i don't really know what is happening in the life so if in a moment of rage you say say something to me i just need to have an empathy okay something has gone wrong if i say no harsh is a very bad person that's not the truth in that moment something was wrong yeah. and if i realize that okay in that moment maybe something would have happened to harsh that's all you need and you'll realize there are no bad people in this world only bad situations absolutely absolutely in fact just yesterday i was reading that to say that someone is a bad person how judgmental it is it is you have replace it by it that he or she did a bad action yeah what you have to realize maybe in that situation you would have done the same yeah 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 and so many bollywood bollywood movie spin offs are based on that mm-hmm. where say there is a villain like a dog oh, yeah. or murder but then you see the first crime they did was stealing a loaf of bread mm-hmm. for which they were treated unfairly mm-hmm. so where there is a bad there was always some good but that good kind of did not pan out so the person just decided okay if it's a and they think the same way you think that is a bad person that person thinks the world is bad it's the same thing can uh, we if there anything else you would like to add to today's conversation something which you are urging to add and maybe i have not asked something no actually it has been a absolute pleasure talking to you because uh, there are very few avenues where i get to have such intellectual discussions because many people find this a very boring conversation especially the moment i talk, start talking about spirituality i lose people <laughs> people like keep that aside because many people don't understand it yeah so what i need to so i there's only one thing that i've always wanted to say i always say and the only reason i don't say it is not to sound superior to others or arrogant but the simple thing is don't take anything on face value mm. right whether it be religion whether it be spirituality whether it be 
culture, the way people use it. Don't think anything of face value. Put your own. So as you said, human is just animal plus intellect. Use intellect. Don't be that uh, lion in a circus where you just put a whip and you sit on the chair. Mm. You have to. I mean, that's the difference between being literate and educated. Mm. Be educated. Don't just be literate. Yeah. Put your own mind. So I always say, you see the differences. There was one of the forums in DNI where I spoke about this. That we say, okay, Hindu and Muslims are so different. But do you realize why they are different? So Hinduism or Hindus came from the Indus Valley civilization. We had plenty of water. It was a water civilization, right? Because we lived in a valley. Naturally, we tended to become vegetarians. Where did Islam come from? It came from the desert. They did not have vegetables to eat, mm. so they had to rely on non-vegetarian or animals to get their nourishment. We came from a civilization where there was plenty of water. So when we wash hand, we wash hand like this. We are okay with water going down, being wasted. Every puja or anything we do in Hinduism involves water. Mm. Islam came from a came from desert. There wasn't much water. So when they wash hands, they'll wash it like this so that they don't end up wasting water. They may bathe once a week because there was no water. So instead, they do wazu. Wazu is basically cleaning the five parts of your body, which are the most dirty, behind your ears, your arms, your legs. You just need to understand why the differences are there. Don't take it on face value. Just someone said, "Okay, ham to bahut alag hai. Tum kyu alag ho? Tumko bhi pata hai tum kyu alag ho? Tum alag jagah pe paida hoye the bus. Tumara religion alag jagah pe paida hoye the." And Hinduism says that every child is born religionless. Every child is born Sanatan, right? I'm Sanatan Dharm Bolte. Actually, Hinduism is Sanatan. Sanatan. What is Sanatan? Sanatan is devoid of everything. Yeah. So what do we do once a child is born? We give them shiksha and the what Hinduism is a way of life. Islam is a way of life. That child is born or taught to live a way of life. That is what religion's job is: just teach a person how to live their lives. Maybe, but you have to choose how you want to go with it. So there are. That is the only thing: just animal plus intellect. Intellect has to be important. Tanvi, I think that was a brilliant uh, explanation of uh, what face value is and what it is not. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. In fact, you know. Uh, the way you talked about sanatan devoid of everything and therefore sanatan is also eternal it is exactly in its yeah. way you know so yeah it is yeah well tanvi on that note uh, it has been a real pleasure an eye opening conversation with you and uh, i hope that uh, uh, not only for me but all those who watch this hear this they can make a small tad improvement in the way they think about uh, life oh, thank you so much for having me it's been a lovely discussion with you it's been lovely talking to you